Hello and good morning, Centerway Church. I'm Claude. My wife Meredith and I have the privilege of leading Centerway. I'm happy to be welcoming you today. Today is another opportunity to hear the word and grow together, so we're excited about that for sure. Hello to everyone joining us live on Sunday or anytime later in the week, and hello to any watch parties out there. For any guests joining us today, a very special welcome to you. We're so happy to be spending this time together. Uh, to make it as smooth as possible, I'm going to take a couple minutes to share some information that will help you during your first visit with us. For the summer, we're mostly online with some in-person gatherings here and there, so we obviously hope to meet you face-to-face -face very soon, but for today, as you visit online, we trust you still feel at home. If you have any questions beyond what I cover, you can learn more about us on our website. If you're gathering live on this Sunday, there are a number of things you can do uh, on the live platform. You can share your information with us, and if you do, we'll simply follow up and get feedback from you. You can also explore next steps, find previous messages, and if you call Centerway home and would like an easy way to give, there's a tab to do that as well. During the gathering, if you have any questions or would like prayer, just click the request prayer button and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. If you're watching or listening anytime other than the live Sunday gathering, many of the things I just mentioned can happen through our website. If you'd like to connect with us after this gathering, uh, if you have any questions, feedback, ideas, or need prayer, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. There are other ways to connect throughout the week as well. You can find us on social media and you can also access the resources on our website. If you do visit our website and choose the messages page, you'll find all our messages, including ones just for kids. They'll sing some songs and hear a message that's from the same text that we adults actually hear from as well, but with kid-friendly content, obviously. If you have kids in your home, it's an incredible way to be able to just discuss the application and grow together. Also on the messages page are resources related to the messages, like images to put on your devices, uh, links to the Spotify playlist for this series, and access to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. Our team creates incredible devotional content to go deeper into the text from Sundays as well as videos on Monday, so you won't want to miss those. If you'd like to receive them actually directly to your inbox instead of going to the website, you can subscribe on the Next Steps page. Now, before we wrap up here, I'd like to highlight a couple of things. This Thursday, September 2nd, we have a backyard worship night. Uh, just a great night worshiping together in a backyard. Kids are, of course, welcome. We encourage you to bring a lawn chair if you want. Details are all on the calendar page of the website if you want to check that out. Speaking of kids, tomorrow is the start of Wonder Week. Now, if you call Centerway home, uh, you've likely received emails about this as well as a special package in the mail. If for any reason you have not heard about Wonder Week or received any materials, please reach out to us right away at connect at centerwaychurch.com and we'll be happy to mail those uh, resources or we could even drop off the materials to you if you're local. Uh, we'll be able to, you'll be able to access the videos on the homepage of the website each day and we'll actually even make them available um, into the next week. You can also look forward to a mini celebration at the backyard worship night that I just mentioned to wrap up Wonder Week together. Well, uh, this is week 10 of our summer breakthrough series and we continue to pray for breakthrough. And we know there's something God wants to do in your life specifically today. He is at work in your life and all around the world. And we encourage you to continue to pray for those in Afghanistan, in Haiti, in Louisiana, and everyone suffering uh, in those and other regions. And certainly for the organizations that we at Centerway partner with that are on the ground bringing help and hope to them. 
Here's what to expect uh, for the rest of today's gathering. Jamie will be reading the scripture text for us. Eric, who is one of our elders and lead team members, will be communicating from the Bible. And then I'll actually close out the gathering with some ways to respond in worship. Now here's Jamie reading the text for today. Good morning, Centerway. My name is Jamie, and I'll be reading scripture today. It's Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Good morning, Center Way. My name is Eric, and I'm just thrilled to be communicating uh, the gospel, the Bible with you this week. We're in a series called Summer Breakthrough, uh, and today's message is entitled Peace. Uh, we're going to talk about how to have a peace breakthrough. Um, like I said, I'm glad to be up here, but it is bittersweet since we're kind of in the last days of August here. Uh, and this summer just has been so fun. Uh, we've had some really cool in-person gatherings as a church, some hangout events. been really fun. The weather, for the most part, has been pretty nice. Um, we had Olympics this summer. That was a lot of fun, and uh, it was fun for my family. It's super fun to just be able to flip on the TV at any time and... Um, catch whatever sport may be on, uh, whether it be something that I know, like uh, baseball or basketball, uh, or something a little more obscure. Uh, my family found ourselves rooting for things like uh, fencing and the hammer throw, um, archery, canoeing. Um, we don't really know what we're talking about when we're watching these events, but we kind of sound like we do because anytime the announcers get really excited or the athletes get really excited, we get excited too. We say, whoa, did you see that? I guess that was pretty good. Or I, I can't believe he hit that gate. That's unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad, but they're getting pretty amped up about it. So it's thrilling. And so uh, summer was a lot of fun. And um, I am a sports guy, a sports fan. I like it a lot. Uh, but I think if we're talking about the Olympics, probably one of the most exciting parts for me uh, was finding out about the medals themselves. Now, I don't really know anything about the design of the medals, the gold, uh, the silver, and the bronze. But I did find out that all of the medals, 100% of the medals, were made from recycled phone and laptop parts. I think that's kind of crazy. Uh, so check this out. Uh, it took the uh, nation of Japan over two years 
and just about 80 tons of iPhones and Chromebooks uh, to weed through, to be recycled and, and weed through, uh, to find the gold, the silver, and the bronze to smelt down into these metals. Uh, so anytime you saw somebody like biting uh, you know, their, their metal, uh, they could have been biting on your, your uh, iPhone or your Chromebook or something like that, you know? Um, and so I'm still blown away by it now here in August. And, uh, but as, as amazing as that concept is, uh, not everybody thought that it was a good idea. Now you might think, who doesn't think that recycling is a good idea? Uh, well, there were plenty of people in Japan uh, who did not want uh, the nations coming to their doorstep in the first place. And they uh, kind of raised um, their concern, voiced their concern uh, about this whole project to smelt down phones and computers uh, for the metals. Uh, because of the resurgence of COVID uh, at that time, many Japanese people, uh, they didn't want everybody to, to come to their island for three weeks. And so um, there was uh, a lot of effort, a lot of investment put into making these metals, and they just thought this was not a good idea to reward these nations for bringing COVID to their island. And so um, I guess I can see that point, but I think that this is just a great illustration today um, about how even when things seem like no-brainer good ideas, humans still just don't see eye to eye on things, do we? Uh, you know, and it's a reality I think that all of us can relate to uh, because anytime there's somebody that says, hey, here's, a, here's an idea, there's always somebody that says, wait a second, whether you're playing devil's advocate or you really just don't like the idea, we can always find someone that thinks, nah, I don't think that's a great idea or a terrible idea that nobody thinks is a good idea except for that guy over there, you know, and he's got all these reasons why it's a good idea. Now, uh, it's something that I've noticed and I want to pose a question this morning to start off our time together and uh, maybe you've noticed it too. And the question goes like this, why is it so hard to keep the peace? You know, why is it so hard to keep, to keep the peace? And I think the answer is pretty obvious, but then also maybe a little bit subtle at the same time too. Uh, because on one hand, it's obvious that uh, humans and basically anything living uh, have their own goals and objectives about what they want to get out of life. And so being in close proximity to other humans and other living things uh, just means that those goals uh, kind of butt up against each other. Uh, and we live in an environment where one of those goals just has to win. Uh, think about it this way, where lions and gazelles, they both have the same goal, but it's staying alive. And so there isn't really a ton of peace when they find themselves uh, kind of living in the same place, right? But I think there's something a little more subtle, too, uh, to the reason why um, people just have a hard time keeping the peace. And I think it's because humans don't always agree about where to find peace or even what peace looks like in the first place. Now, don't get me wrong, if we projected an image on the screen right now uh, of a cabin next to a lake where there's a hammock by the lake and a person in the hammock reading a book, and then I asked, would this be a, a peaceful picture? I think most of us would say, yeah, yeah, that, that's peaceful. However, 
if my wife and I took our son Isaac uh, to that exact spot there and we said, all right, check it out, an entire day, our phones don't work, there's no reception, all our job is to do today is to sit in this hammock and relax. Would he find that peaceful? Absolutely not. And you know why? It's because he's 11 years old. So he was probably thinking, no screens? Wait, no phone, no video games, no sports? Oh my gosh, this is horrible. What are we gonna do today? And so we don't see eye to eye about even what peace looks like from time to time. And so it's very difficult keeping the peace. Now, is relaxing the same thing as peaceful? Not at all, not at all. And here's how I know. Uh, like I said, the weather's been good this summer, but back in July, uh, here in Rochester anyway, it was exceptionally rainy. And on one of those incredible rainy stretches, we found that our sump pump had broken. It had just gone in the middle of the night, and throughout the course of the evening, the water just kind of came into our basement, and it was raining all day the day that we discovered it, so the water kept getting a little bit higher and a little bit higher. We live in the, the split level, and so we have our washer and dryer area down there, but also that's where our oldest son, Isaac, we just talked about, um, has his bedroom. And so he comes up the stairs uh, one Saturday morning and says, you better go downstairs and see what's going on. So we rush down there, and uh, there's three inches of water, uh, you know, continuing to rise uh, in our home. And so uh, it, was a, it was nerve wracking immediately, of course. You know, what is going on? Why is this happening? Uh, but the first thing that we did was that we called Dan Dolan. Uh, shout out to the Dolans for being there all the time for us. Uh, he immediately came over with um, a portable pump to begin the process of getting the water out and um, he bought a new sump pump uh, that I paid him back for, um, and then some other equipment as well, so that the water didn't have to linger in our, our basement uh, and then in Isaac's bedroom for uh, as long as it possibly could. Now, was that a relaxing situation? Pfft, not at all, not at all. But did we have peace? Yeah, we actually did have peace in the midst of it all. And the reason is because God has placed incredible people in our lives, uh, that we rely on God for everything in our lives as a family. Uh, and in that moment, God blessed us with Dan uh, and uh, the Dolan family and some other people in our church who came alongside of us and helped us out in our time of need. And this is the concept that I wanna have this morning as we approach our text. Can we spend a moment in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, that we get to approach your word. And Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see what you want us to see and ears to hear what you want us to hear through it. And we pray that our hearts would be receptive to the peace that you offer to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's look at our text today, Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9, but these are the first two verses to begin. They say this, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, these two verses introduce the theme uh, for, uh, of peace for this passage, but they are written in this context of a lack of peace. Now, see, the nation of Judah was in rebellion uh, and upheaval, and God's promise that there would always be someone from the line of David on the throne uh, was kind of in upheaval. 
It looked like it actually had been chopped down. And thus, uh, we see that Isaiah uses the idea of uh, a stump from Jesse, right? Uh, this, this promise has been reduced to a stump, but Isaiah prophesies that a root or a shoot uh, would kind of grow up from that stump, this little sapling uh, that would bring evidence of life and hope and that God's promise had not been broken. And what that shoot was going to do was is going to spring up and be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. So into a broken and chaotic world, there would be one who would come and bring this peace and this hope and this restoration, just like God had promised. Now, to me, it's the age-old dilemma. You know, tough times are necessary if we want to recognize God's ability to care for us fully. And we have to see uh, that the promise looks like it had been reduced to a stump in order to see the hope of the shoot spring forth. Now, we've recognized this as Christians for a long, long time. In fact, uh, you probably know of some ways that Christians have rephrased this idea. Um, you know, we say things like, if I never had a problem, I'd never knew that God could solve them. I, all right. Thank you, Andre Crouch. <laughs> uh, you know, there's no testimony without a test. Am I right, brother? Like, sure, yeah, absolutely. Why do you have to say it like that? I'm just kind of curious as to why your voice changes. <laughs> um, and we say things also, like this is one of my favorites. You know, you don't tell God how big your problems are. You tell your problems how big your God is. Now, those things are all very true and they've helped me in my life for sure. I'm not trying to minimize their impact. But if you're like me, there are definitely times where I don't like to hear that truth. I don't want to accept that as the truth. I don't like that challenges have their place in my life as building my faith or growing my faith. But what's cool about Isaiah's prophecy to me uh, is that this shoot, this, this branch that's going to uh, bear fruit, doesn't just help us as individual men and women and children. Uh, it also helps to bring justice into a world uh, corporately by defending those who just can't defend themselves. Now, I love that about this, this passage of Scripture, and we're going to see that in the next verses, 3, 4, and 5. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So this righteous branch will be very concerned about justice and righteousness uh, for people groups that don't have a voice themselves. And I want to look quickly at verse 4 again, if I can, because at first glance, it might seem like the phrase judging the poor uh, is, is out of place here. Like, uh, why would the righteous branch judge someone just because they're poor? I don't really understand it. Uh, but that's not the way that this Hebrew phrase should be interpreted in our minds or translated in our minds. And here's why. During Isaiah's day, if somebody wanted justice for a wrong that was committed against them, uh, they would have to head to the gates of the town or the city, wherever they lived. And there, a leader in the community would be sitting at the gates to hear complaints and then render verdict based on uh, what they heard from uh, the person and the witness and maybe even uh, someone who's arguing against them. However, if you were poor 
in the town or in the village, you were likely out of luck because even if you were able uh, to wait your time out to see this judge, this community leader, and stand before them, uh, there is an assumption that you were poor because of your character, that your poverty was an indictment on your character. So the thought was something like this. Well, you're poor because you chose not to work. You're poor because uh, you deserve what you got. And if you didn't deserve what you got, then you would be able to reverse your lot in life. And so in Isaiah's day, being poor wasn't just a lack of finances. Being poor was a social status. And you didn't have social status enough to come before the judge in most situations and instances. So when Isaiah says that this shoot from Jesse will judge the poor with righteousness, he's telling us that not only will he give the poor an audience with himself, an opportunity to use their voice, but he's also going to render fair verdicts for them. Now that's good news. That is good news for the poor. And it kind of reminds me of, of Jesus who stood up in the synagogue and read from Isaiah. Isaiah prophesies a few chapters down the road. Uh, he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to pre preach or proclaim good news to the poor. Now Jesus began his, his public ministry essentially this way. Uh, and he's, he's echoing Isaiah. And so this good news for the poor is uh, met in the person and the work of Jesus. So it is incredible. It's great that there's going to be restoration for all of us who need this sense of peace. But here's the cool thing. Here's the result when full restoration is seen in our world. Isaiah lays it out in verses 6, 7, and 8. He says, The wolf shall dwell with a lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Now this is what peace looks like. This is what restoration looks like. Those beings with whom we naturally find it impossible to have peace uh, with will find common ground in this day that Isaiah prophesies of. So that their goals will align. They're going to have the same goals, but those goals won't butt up against each other anymore. Their goals will, in fact, align. And when this happens, those things that we find incompatible will coexist because of what uh, the Lord has done. So in our world, in our lives today, when that happens, it's kind of like being hurt and understanding that hurt, but trusting again. Those things are incompatible in our natural uh, ability. But when the Lord shows up on the scene, those things work together. It's like wrestling with fear and maybe even being paralyzed with fear, but displaying bravery because of the spirit of the Lord upon you. It's like being marginalized, feeling like you have no voice, nothing to contribute, but instead choosing to speak up and speak out. When the Lord shows up on the scene, when restoration takes place on the scene like that, those things that seem to be incompatible in your world will suddenly align. The natural outflow of all of this is actually found in our key verse today, and that's verse 9. It says, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
Now that is good news. Here's where we finally see what it is that will bring ultimate peace. It's the knowledge of the Lord. The reason that uh, the wolf will dwell with the lamb and why kids will be able to play around the, the hole of the poisonous snake is because of the knowledge of the Lord going out and covering the earth like the water covers the sea. All creation will live at peace when the Lord is exalted to his proper place and everyone sees it and all the world knows it. Now, for the Christian, this is a picture of the second coming of Christ, where we're going to see Jesus in his full and complete glory. But even though it would be uh, easy for us to kind of maybe live fatalistically and say, well, until I see Jesus face to face, I guess I'm never going to have peace. And so I guess I just have to go through the motions of life right now. I think if you think that way, it's really a big mistake. And the reason is, is because you can meet the Lord right here and right now. You can know the Lord in this very moment. You don't have to wait to see him physically face to face. You can know the Lord right where you are. In fact, true peace comes from knowing that God is far more concerned uh, with where you spend eternity and how you spend eternity with him than he is you being comfortable here on earth. Now, I don't want you to misquote me. I didn't say that God is not concerned with your physical well-being here on earth. But compared to your spiritual well-being, it is unbelievable. Now, when Augustine of Hippo, an early church father who lived a long, long time ago, wrote a commentary on Genesis, he did so in the middle of this debate that people were having in his day. Uh, people were wondering, can we take the word of God at face value? And the reason that people were pointing to was because God talks to Adam in Genesis, way back in the beginning of Genesis, he creates Adam and he says to Adam, you know what? You can eat of any tree uh, that you want to, uh, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In that day, if you do, that very day, you will surely die. But Adam does. Maybe you know the story. Maybe you don't know the story. Adam uh, disobeys God's voice and God's command and eats of that tree anyway. And in that day, did he die? No, he didn't. He didn't die physically. In fact, he lived hundreds of years after that moment. And so what? We know that God's not a liar, but is God just like some kind of mean uh, leader up in heaven where uh, he's trying to like scare you into compliance to his will? Uh, is he like that bad dad or that bad mom uh, who says, if you don't listen to what I have to say, I'm going to scold you. I'm going to take away your stuff. Uh, you know, I'm going to scare you into submission to my own will. And Augustine said, no, that's not God either. But what he said was this, that on the day that Adam did eat of that fruit, that he did die, but he didn't die physically. He died spiritually. Sin entered our world because of that one act of disobedience. And in that very day, he died spiritually. But God didn't say, all right, so there's a difference between physical death and spiritual death. And, you know, you're going to live for a long time after that. But I want you to know, spiritually, you are going to die. No, because God knows that your spiritual well-being, your soul is much more critical to him uh, than your physical life. 
Again, I'm not saying that uh, God doesn't care about your physical life, or I'm also not saying that God will do anything he wants in your physical life to kind of mess you up and to cause problems in your world so that you can have a, a good spiritual life or be spiritually healthy. I'm not arguing that by any means. But what I'm saying is that God loves you so much that he died to rescue your soul for eternity. He died so that you could be with him forever and ever. And if you're new to, to Centerway, we say something every week. We say that the text requires something of us. And as we talk about what peace looks like and where it can be found and what restoration looks like and where that can be found, I want to ask you a question that I think comes from the text that I, I want us to wrestle with this week. And it goes like this. How will I trust God for restoration in my life? How will I trust God for restoration in my life? Because if he's in the business of bringing forth branches from stumps and joining natural enemies together in unity, then he can certainly restore your faith or restore your hope or restore your peace in the midst of the storm or restore your love for him and for the people around you. Notice that the question that we pose this week isn't what needs to be restored in my life, but rather, how will I trust God for restoration in my life? And the, the reason we chose that is because if we were just to name the thing or the things that need to be restored in our life this week, we could say, I need more peace. Or I used to trust God and now I don't. There. Yeah, that's, that's what needs to change. Guess I'm done. <laughs> but if we use the word how, how will I trust God? Well, that requires action on our part, doesn't it? It requires us to not only think about what trust looks like in our world, but it asks us to commit to that trust this week. Now, we want to uh, allow you or to, to make it so that you're not wrestling with that question alone. In fact, we would love to pray with you about that. If you, if you are struggling with that question or you're struggling with if the, if, uh, the Lord uh, has control of my heart and my life today, uh, if you're watching live, we'd love for you to request prayer uh, right now. And one of our hosts will answer you uh, in a, a separately in, in a private chat. We'd love to pray with you in this moment. If you're not watching or listening uh, live right now, there's ways to connect with us through email and through our website, of course. But what I want to do is I want to pray with you right now, if I can, believing that wherever you're trusting God, whatever you're trusting God for, that you'll be able to experience peace as you take the next step in the process toward that restoration. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your word is alive and active today that what Isaiah penned thousands of years ago is still relevant to our lives here in 2021. And Lord, I, I pray for those of us that are wrestling with this idea of what trust looks like in the restoration process. I ask God that you would, by your spirit, speak to us in incredible and profound ways today. Lord, forgive us for those times where we thought we were too far gone from your love to be able to even be restored. And I pray that we would get a glimpse of your love, a glimpse of your grace, a glimpse of your peace today in this moment so that true and real restoration can take shape in our lives. We thank you and we love you. And we pray again for your spirit to lead us, guide us, and direct us throughout our days. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you prayed a similar prayer along with me and believing with you this week uh, as we head into September that God has some incredible things in store for you. Uh, looking forward to next week as we continue in our series. Great word, Eric. Thanks so much for gathering with us today. We encourage you to take time to apply the text this week and consider how you'll trust God for restoration in your life. You know, taking time to apply the text throughout the week is one way to worship, and there are many others as well. One way we can worship together is to sing. And if you're gathered with us live, uh, we're about to do just that. If you're not with us live, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Simply search Centerway Church and look for the Summer Breakthrough playlist. You can also look for the video that will be posted on our Facebook page. For those gathered live on the online platform, we'll see you on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes. Parents, remember that Wonder Week starts tomorrow and we'll see you all at the Backyard Worship on Thursday.